Luke chapter number 24. I'm going to ask you if you'd stand with me as you read out of respect for the reading of the Word of God. Luke chapter number 24. This morning, let's begin reading in verse number 13. Would you follow along with me as I read? Luke chapter number 24, verse number 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which is from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. That's about seven miles. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him, and he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast thou not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people. Now the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Skip down to verse number 25. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. It came to pass, as he said, it meet with them. He took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them, and their eyes were opened. And they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us? The scriptures. This morning I want to preach you on this subject. Do you have heartburn? Would you pray with me? My Father, I need you. I want to be a help to these young people, but Lord, if you don't show up, we might as well pack up and go home. So I'm asking that you take over now. Would you empty me of me? May I take my hands off what you already own. May I be a vessel that is clean for your use. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would do the convicting and convincing. I can do neither. I'm asking for fresh anointing. Would you hide me behind the cross? May these dear young people not remember this preacher, but the God that I serve. And I ask this, the only way I know how, through the name and through the blood of my Jesus. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Do you have heartburn? Now, most of us would say, you know what? That's not something we particularly want. I mean, heartburn is not to be desired. Now, when I was a kid, I grew up in a youth pastor's home, 
and uh, we many times would go over to people's homes in the church uh, for meals or something like that. Now, I think some of that because of the COVID has kind of gone away, but when I was a kid, we did it quite often. And uh, especially as a preacher, it is very difficult eating in people's homes or eating at uh, the churches that we're in. And uh, they always want the evangelist to go first. Well, there's a problem with that because you don't know who made what. And you don't know how they made it. So it's a whole lot easier for me to insist that the pastor goes before me and I watch and eat what he avoids. And if he avoids it, I won't touch it. You know, uh, there have been times where you take a bite of pie and uh, you just, I'm not trying to gross you out, but that's part of being an evangelist, I think. We didn't have a class on that when I was in school. I wish we had. But I remember going over to these people's home and I don't remember what they fixed. Thankfully, I don't even remember who it was. But I ate something that set on me funny. You know what I mean. And I thought, this is terrible. I would have probably been about six or seven at the time. And how do you explain heartburn to your parents? I I didn't know how. We went into Walmart. Now, Walmart back then was a lot different. And I'm not that old, but it was a lot different. People didn't wear their pajamas at Walmart. (laughs) And so we went into Walmart. And my mom, she went up to the shelf. And she reached over and she grabbed a pack of Tums. Now, I don't know if you know what Tums is. I don't even know if they do commercials on Tums anymore, but it was the old Tum, 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 Tum. And uh, she, she opened it right there in the store. Now, my mom always taught me, you don't open anything in the store. You pay for it first. And so I was so blown away that she had opened it that when she handed me three and said, chew these up, I just did exactly what she said. Now, don't worry. She did pay for it, and we took it home. But I ate three, and I'm telling you, by the time we were done with Walmart, I felt fine. I knew, and to this day know, that Tums is the answer to every problem. Hey, listen, if you have a backache, toothache, Tums will help you, I'm sure. But here's the deal. I know what will fix physical heartburn. The problem is, spiritually, we don't have enough heartburn. We have an awful lot of cold churches and cold Christians We have an awful lot of sitting and warming the pews and doing nothing for Jesus Christ. We have an awful lot of talking about how much we love Jesus. But if you go to the book of 1 John, you'll find that our love for Jesus is nothing compared to His. And He defines love for Him not by what we say, but how we keep His commandments. We have an awful lot of talk of Christianity. We have an awful lot of talk about God but we have very few that actually walk with the God of the Bible. Maybe it's because of flannel graph. I grew up with flannel graph, and maybe it's because of flannel graph, or maybe it's because of poor children's stories that we have the idea that the God of the Bible resides only in the Bible. We have the idea, let's open the Bible and read an amazing story. Sure. But the God of the Bible is still the same God of today. And young person, you may think that no one knows your struggles and no one knows your cares and your heartaches, but the God of the Bible does because he's the same God today as he was then. Moses was just there when God parted the Red Sea. He didn't do it. God did. And the same God who did that can part your Red Sea. And you come to this passage of the Bible and you read about two men that are hurting, two men that are walking from Jerusalem to, it seems like, a city called Emmaus. We would call it the road to Emmaus. Who knows what it was really called? But two men that are walking down the road, two men that are talking of all the things that have happened, 
recently. And all of a sudden, Jesus is right there. I don't know how it happened. The Bible doesn't uh, explain exactly how Jesus was introduced to these men. I would have thought it would have been a little bit scary. I would just assume that as you're walking along on a dusty road, I would assume you could see who's in front of you and who's behind you. And all of a sudden, these two men who it seems like they think they're the only ones there, all of a sudden, Jesus is there. I don't know if he just said, hey, and they both jumped, like some of you did. They were about ready to fall asleep. I don't know if he just, you know, acted like he was walking by and then just joined in on the conversation. I don't know how it happens, but however it happens, now they're not walking alone. Jesus is with them. Young person, don't ever think you're walking alone. If you're walking alone, it's because you strayed from him. He didn't move. And so you have Jesus who's joined them now. And it's interesting. You must understand that Jesus, yes, he was the son of God, but he is God. I can't explain it. I just believe it. You go to this passage of the Bible and notice the questions that Jesus asks these two men. He will say in verse number 17, And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another? Now, I kind of scratch my head at that. Because I think, excuse me, um, Jesus, don't you already know what they've been talking about? I mean, you're God. You're everywhere. You know everything. Don't you know what they've been saying? And he says, well, what are you talking about? And then they look at him and they say in verse number 18, Cleopas answering said to him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast thou not known the things that are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, now he's asking the exact same question, What things? Did you get that? You say, okay, so we asked some questions. But he's God. He already knows the answer. You say, what's the point? God's looking for his people. If they want real heartburn, spiritual burning, a spark set on fire from the inside of Jesus Christ, of his power, of his working, God's looking for his people to, number one, open their hearts. You know how many Christians we have today that think they can live the Christian life without Christ? You know how many times we talk about our cares and our burdens without ever bringing them to Jesus? He wants to know. And by the way, did you notice when he asked the first question, he ends the question by saying this, and are sad. Young person, I don't know your struggles, but I know someone who does. His name is Jesus. And maybe you're sitting there and you listen to testimonies of someone who paid off their bill and you think, man, I wish God would do that for me. I remember sitting where you're sitting. I remember hearing of someone say, hey, God put money in my box. I went through four years of Bible college here at Ambassador Baptist College. I never had anybody put money in my box. But I'll tell you this, God always met my needs. You say, what's the point? Why don't you tell God your cares and your burdens? He's looking for his people to open their hearts. We come to the steps and we pour out our burdens before him and we walk away and say, boy, something doesn't feel right. And we walk back to the altar and pick it back up and continue to worry about it. That's not the Christian life. 
He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. If you look in the book of Romans, you find that the Sabbath day rest for the Christian is every single day. And young person, it's time to take your hands off of what God already owns and leave it with Him. I remember in the classroom, Doc Childs used to tell us this, you ought to live like this. Not like this. Let God have it. Open arms, open hands. Let God take it. Well, young person, stop laying in bed at night worrying about it. Stop wondering how God's going to do it. Stop wondering how you're going to take over for God because God's not quick enough. Young person, God is never late. He's rarely early and He's always on time. Trust God. You come to this passage and you have two men that are hurting. Notice how they're hurting. Notice what they say. Art thou only a stranger, in verse number 18, art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things that are come to pass there in these days? He said unto them, what things? Notice verse number 19. And they said unto him concerning, a, uh, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which is a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. Maybe here's the problem. They didn't say, Jesus, the Son of God, He's gone. That's not what they call Him. They say Jesus. He was a prophet, mighty in deed and word. Many times we're looking for what we can get out of God. We look to God as a means to an end instead of the God of the Bible that wants to walk with us and talk with us. You can be as close to God as you choose to be. And you will be as far from God as you choose to be. And he says in this passage, he wants to know what's on their heart. They tell him Jesus of Nazareth. You know, he was a prophet. He did some good things. Excuse me. That's what religion teaches us about people. They talk good. They do good. But friends, if you have a religion, you're missing. You're missing out on something that is most precious. It is not about a religion. I don't have a religion. I have a relationship fellowship with the God Almighty. And He offers the same to you. You go into this passage and they say He's a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers, verse number 20, delivered Him to be condemned to death and have crucified Him. But we trusted, get this, that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. Okay, let's stop there a minute. You need to understand these, the backgrounds of these men. These men are speaking from a Jewish perspective. And when they are speaking, they are saying this. We trusted that he should have, the word is, redeemed Israel. They're not looking to Jesus as the deliverer from sin. They are looking for Jesus to deliver them from Rome. And many times we do the same thing. We're looking for Jesus to do what we think Jesus should do. Lord, I need you to meet this bill right here, right now. Do it this way. And he says, but I gave you a job. Lord, someone's sick. Heal them. And God says, but it'd bring more glory to me to take them home. 
and we say, but God, He's a mean God. No, He's a just and loving God. And the just and loving God has already told us in the Word of God His plan. You say, what's His plan? To glorify Him. That He would get the glory. That He would be lifted up. And they said, we trusted that in Him and He, which should have redeemed Israel. Oh yeah, and beside all this, today's the third day since these things were done. In other words, yeah. You remember how he said he'd rise? It's day number three. Haven't seen him. Young person, look to God and look to God's word, what he's already said. Bible truth can be cashed in as fact. You can take it to the bank and know that what God says he will do. You say, I, I, I don't know. That's, that is these men's problem. You go further in the passage and you find that God has already told them what would happen. The Old Testament prophecies have already been fulfilled. He has come. He has been born as a virgin. He was taken to the smiters. He was delivered for our offenses. And on the third day, he has risen again. You say, what's the point? God told them in the Bible. You say, well, it doesn't work in my time book. Maybe not. But this is enough. Enough. You say, well, listen. I mean, these men, don't you know they're hurting? Yes, God knows. He says, and you're sad. But then they tell him the way they think it should have worked out. They go on. Notice what happens in verse number, uh, verse number 22. Yea, and certain women also of our company. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this, to me it almost sounds humorous. Now, please, ladies, I'm not being mean, okay? I'm just going to read it to you like it seems like they're saying it. They're already upset. We trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Now, listen. Yea, Certain women, also of our company, they made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision. They missed out on their chocolate. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Didn't Jesus say he was going to rise? So what's happened? Now they're so consumed with themselves and their own thinking that they won't listen to someone who holds truth. Young person, very simply, this is free. When you're so caught up in your own pride and selfishness and someone corrects you and you don't see that you're wrong, you probably are. And these men have been told the truth, not only from the scriptures, but from someone who saw it. And then they go on. Uh, Ladies, I'm not being mean. Notice what happens here. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher. In other words, at least two of us believed the women. And they went to the sepulcher and found even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. You remember Peter and John? They run to the sepulcher. 
They don't see the angel like uh, the others say, not at the beginning, or at least these men don't point it out. One runs all the way in, one stands on the outside, and it seems like these men have missed everything. These men are still caught up in the whole idea that, well, he didn't do it the way we thought he should do it. Go further in the passage. Notice what happens. Verse number 25. And he, that's Jesus. Now Jesus has listened to their burdens. Now he's listened to their cares. Now he's listened to their concerns, their worries, and their broken hearts. And he says this, oh, fools. <laughs> I want to say, um, excuse me, Lord. Um, don't you know they're hurting? Can we maybe not call them fools right now? Maybe just put our arms around them. Oh, you know what? It'll be okay. No, because many times what we need more than anything is Bible truth. But he doesn't just call them fools. Notice what he says about them. Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. In other words, he's saying, I told you everything you need to know right in the Word of God. Everything. Why didn't you just believe what I said? Young person, if you want heartburn, you're going to have to first open your heart to God. You're going to have to show him your burdens, your cares. You say, he already knows. Yes, but the cry in the Bible that Jesus answers and hears every time is the cry of help. And maybe it's time for us to seek God in desperation, knowing we cannot and He can. Maybe it's time now for us to tune our hearts to His Word. Isaiah 55, not my thoughts, not, his, not my thoughts, not my ways. It's actually His thoughts and His ways. And mine rarely agree. So who do I go with? Oh, with what everybody else says. No. Why do you have to ask everybody else their opinion on your certain issue? Why don't you go back to the Bible and see what the Bible says? You know, if you start at the Bible, it's a whole lot easier because you'll probably finish at the Bible. Maybe we don't need to get God to tune up to us, but us tune up to Him. Getting God to tune up to us will never happen. And on top of that, why would you tune to something that's already broken? If you have a piano, the piano can be a beautiful instrument. But if it's out of tune, the greatest pianist in the world is still going to sound horrible. You say, what's the point? Tune your heart. Not to what others think. Not to what your significant other thinks. Not to what the number one bookseller thinks. Not to the TV preacher not to your selfish and prideful heart, but to the Bible given by God. You say, listen, we talk so much about the Bible here at Bible College. I'm getting tired of it. Then maybe it would be better for you either to tune your heart to the Bible or stop right now. You have nothing to stand on if you cannot stand on the Word of God. Just say, listen, I don't agree with everything in this Bible. Then you need to change your agreeer. It's about the Bible. God's truth. God's truth that changes lives. I have known men that have stood up in pulpits and they open the Word of God. They read a passage. They close the book and say, now that we have that out of the way. And some of those may have graduated from here. You say, what's the point? The Bible is my authority. Not my 
sweet antidotes. Not my speaking ability. I'm just a country boy from the mountains of North Carolina. It's God's word. Preachers don't work. God works. We have an awful lot of preachers who like to stand in the way of God's working. But we need to get back to the Bible. We need to tune our heart. Notice what happens in verse number 27. I'm almost done. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the scriptures of things concerning himself. Well, that would have been a long service. I mean, they have seven miles to go. I mean, do you, you understand what the prophets are, right? Some of you are probably in some of those classes. You understand what Moses is, right? Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Very possibly, the Old Testament. Can you imagine hearing a message on the entire Old Testament? Some of you are like, good night, we're doing good to get through chapel. Some of you are like, I'm just hoping the person sitting next to me stays awake so they can keep me awake. Some of you have already looked at your clocks to see how soon we're getting out of here. Say, what's your point? Whatever happened to being desperate for God and being so desperate for God, we're desperate for His Word. The living Word. This is not just another book. It's the living Word of God. Some of you read your love letters more than you read God's. So you're trying to beat us up. No, 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 friend. God says He invites you to walk with Him. There is no greater opportunity than to walk with the Holy God. It's interesting to me that there's only one person in the Bible that God refers to as walking with Him and walking with Him so much so that God looks at Him and says, You know, Enoch, you're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you just come home with me today? Most of the time in services, we can't wait to get out. You know, in America, this has never happened. But I have preached in other countries. I was preaching in one country years ago. I got up and I preached, and I preached through an interrupter. And so my 30-minute, normal 30-minute message was doubled. So I preached, and we sat down. I sat down, and I hear this voice from the back of the auditorium. A different language I could not speak. It was interpreted to me and said this way, Oh, preacher, are you really done? Couldn't you preach another one? I said, you sing a song, I'll preach another one. They sang, I preached. I sat down. Someone else from the other side of the auditorium said, Oh, preacher, don't be done yet. I preached three messages and was asked to preach a fourth, and I said, physically, I cannot. That's never happened in America. And maybe it's going to take us having our Bibles taken away before we ever realize what's truly precious. And the God of the Bible offers to walk with these men and He offers to open to them the Scriptures and they're learning and they're, they're listening and then all of a sudden they see an Airbnb. Seems like what, that's what happens. Notice what happens in the passage. In verse number 28, And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him. 
I don't know exactly how all this works, and this is just my imagination. I kind of see Jesus walking in the middle because it's kind of hard to walk on one side and talk to the second person over here. And so Jesus walking in the middle with them, and Jesus, he's continuing to walk, and they stop. And they're looking down the road, and there's there's a bed and breakfast. They have some food over there. You know, we've been walking a long time. Yeah, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. You tired? Yeah, I'm tired. Hey, what? I heard they have some yams and some grits over there and some fried okra. Man, that's enough for me. All right, let's stop. Excuse me, sir. We're going to turn in here. You want to come? We'll pay for it. Yeah, you'll pay for it. And it's interesting, Jesus goes with them. And they walk in, and the Bible will say in verse number 30, And it came to pass, as he said at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. I wonder if they've seen Jesus do this before. These men, if you'll read the passage carefully, they were in the upper room for at least some time during the past three days. I wonder if they've seen this before. But whether they have or whether they haven't, at that moment, their eyes are open and they realize it's Jesus. And when they do, he's gone. He vanishes out of their sight. You say, but oh man, wouldn't that have been wonderful? I mean, to have walked with Jesus... Yes, but that's not what they say in the next verse. In the next verse, they say this. They said one to another, did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. Young person, this is past tense. When we walked with him and he with us, Our hearts were lit on fire. Our hearts were burning. Oh, what a joy it was. We opened our hearts to Him. He took our burdens. We tuned our heart not to what we thought, but to what He says. But oh, had we given Him our heart, we could have gone with Him much further. You know what we have today? We have an awful lot of Christians who are content to warm a pew. An awful lot that have said, well, listen, I'm doing some good things for Jesus Christ. I'm winning souls. I'm telling people. I'm in my Bible. Let me ask you something. How much of God is in you? How burning is your heart to walk with Him? You say, well, I walk with Him. But does He walk with you? You say, what's the point? These men look back. And I think even years down the road, they would look at their grandchildren and say, oh, yes, we walked with Jesus. Oh, it was wonderful. But oh, we could have gone so much further. Isn't that what Jesus implies? He would have gone further? How far will you go for Jesus? He'll go with you to the end of the way. Why don't you go with him to the end of the way? 
And some of you say, listen, I'm in Bible college. I'm getting enough Bible in the classroom. Friends, if that's all the Bible you're getting, you're missing out on walking with the God of the Bible. You need Him. And He invites you. Oh, friend, where's the heartburn? You say, some of us have sparks. Some of us are warmed by a small campfire. But these men say, did not our hearts burn within us? I have been at many a deathbed. And I have seen many a people pass into eternity. And I have often heard, oh, I wish I had done more. But you know one thing I have never heard? At the countless deathbeds I have stood by, I've never heard this. Oh, I did too much for Jesus. You say, well, listen, if I'm too heavenly minded, I'll be no earthly good. You won't find that in the Bible. The more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you'll do. Or maybe the more earthly good God will do through you. Do you have heartburn? In the summers, I have the joy of being at the West Branch of the Bill Rice Ranch in Williams, Arizona as a staff evangelist. And I get to preach every single day. And when I'm not preaching or leading music, I put my tool belt on. And I'm fixing things. And being out in the desert pines, there's an awful lot to fix. And uh, there's an awful lot of, you may not know this term, but the older will, MacGyvering. (laughs) And so, in order to do that, they gave me a mule. Now, I don't know if you know what a mule is. I don't mean the thing that goes, knee I don't mean that. This particular mule runs on gasoline. I am told it's over 35 years old. I get in. It's a one-seater. I start to crank the engine. And then I have to get out, open the trunk, and take a hammer and hit the starter. (laughs) And hope it takes. When they first let me use it in the summer, our... Almost two-year-old was only a few months old. And our four-year-old was, she had just turned three. And uh, I was trying to figure out how to get the family down to the meals in a one-seater. So I figured it out. I took our youngest, Juliana, and I put her car seat in the back of the mule and I ratchet-strapped it down. She's still alive today. It's okay. (laughs) She didn't know what was what, so she was fine. And then, if you did it just right, my wife would slide over onto the right side of the seat. I'd sit on the left side of the seat. And then I'd start the engine. If it actually took, then I could reach down and grab my three-year-old, Audrey, and I'd put her on my lap, and then we'd drive down. It worked well. And that was the exact series of events that had to happen. Juliana strapped in with ratchet straps. My wife on the right, me on the left, and Audrey on my lap. But Audrey did not know the series of events. We walk out of our trailer. I put the car seat in. I ratchet strap it in. My wife slides in all the way to the right. I get in and I start the engine. And I look over and my three-year-old in tears is reaching up and she says, Wait! What about me? 
And right then the Spirit of the Lord smote me. And I wondered, when was the last time I begged my Jesus to let me walk with Him? I realize how much I do for Jesus that isn't in the power of God. I realize how many souls I tell and God's power is not present. And I realize how many days I get up and I ignore God's word. Or I look at it for study instead of personal time. And I wonder when I get to heaven, I wonder what my Lord would say. We could have gone so much further. I invited you. I asked you to open your heart. Tune your heart to my word. And give me your heart to go with me to the end of the way. I don't know what my Lord will say when I get to heaven. I hope he'll say, well done. I'd be okay with just a smile. But sometimes I wonder, where am I compared to where he wants me to be? Young person, you can be as close to him as you want to be. And you will be as far from him as you choose to be. So where are you compared to where he is? Is your heart on fire or is your heart yours to control? My father, I've done what you've asked me to do. And Lord, I don't know all the reasons and I don't know how you've worked in hearts. But I pray that you would help us to see the seriousness in the invitation of walking with you. However, you've worked in hearts this morning. I thank you for it. And I pray that you would help us to respond to you however you've spoken. And I ask this through the name and through the blood of my Jesus. Amen.